Welcome to Beyond the Skyline. This podcast is dedicated to topics related to unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs, disclosure, and to experiencers of all kinds. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and our guest for this episode is Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Now, Kimberly is an extraordinary person who has so many talents that I can't even begin to list them here, but I am going to highlight a few. She is a remote viewer a psychic. She offers frequency scans and readings and classes. She's also a member of the Secret Space Program, my lab, and the MKUltra Experimentee. She is a semi-retired super soldier and has been interviewed countless times on radio and television programs, including Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie. She's an international speaker and a developer of quantum medical technologies. Kimberly, welcome to the show. How are you today? Well, I'm better now. I'm like, who is she talking about? That woman sounds amazing. (laughs) There's like some disassociation (laughs) there. So thank you. That was very kind. Yeah, it's funny how you uh, other people perceive you and then you say, oh, is that me? Wow. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, listen, what I'd like to do is I want you to start today's program by really describing who Dr. Kimberly McGeorge really is and how you came to be who you are today. Well, that's a tall task. Um, Really (laughs) such a wandering journey, you know, as most of us have um, started out with it really, and I didn't know this, you know, I didn't know Sheila that I had extraordinary psychic abilities. We don't know if we don't have a lot of memory. I only had partial memory. Um, I mean, I knew I wasn't a child. I knew I was a fully formed sentient adult mind being of some type, you know, in a child body. But as far as psychic abilities, and, you know, when I took my naps, you know, the ceiling would open up and, you know, outer space would open up and I would how see these guides and these tunnels and portals and do all this time travel. I thought everybody did that. Like, how do I know that doesn't happen in everybody's naps? I don't know. Like, it's not like you sit around as a four-year-old comparing nap time. <laughs> no. So uh, a lot of my abilities uh, and things that I experienced as a child, you know, I had no measure for it until my brother was born. And I'm like, man, this kid is boring. Like, he doesn't know what's up at all. Like, he just lived this normal life and ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner and played and went to bed. And I'm like, you mean you don't see things? He's like, what do you mean see things? I'm like, you know, things like colors and shapes and patterns and ghosts and monsters and aliens. And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, boy, we're in trouble now. So, you know, that's when you start shutting it down and realizing. And then you go to school. And it's interesting because I bet there were kids in my school that did have psychic abilities. But we all pretend and we all conform so we wouldn't know, you know, because nobody's really allowed or taught, at least back then, uh, you know, to be authentic. So it wasn't until college that I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to. And this was long ago, so it wasn't accepted. It wasn't popular, but I really wanted to be accepted and seen for who I was, whether I was crazy or strange or not. So I started using my psychic abilities in college. And by using my psychic abilities for, you know, four years in college in Chicago, Illinois, I attracted the attention of um, the local uh, law enforcement. And at the time they were developing occult 
you know, OCCULT crime units and they were experimenting with them in the eighties. And I had this crazy impression that it would be super glamorous when they asked me if I wanted to assist <laughs> because, you know, we've all watched medium oh, and ghosts. With of course. Like, it's like so cool. Right. So I'm like, Oh, how cool. Yeah. Negative, negative <laughs> abort mission. <laughs> it was not cool. It was horribly traumatic. Um, I'm a 20 year old, you know, young girl, you know, and thought I knew what was up, thought I knew what was what, and I didn't at all. I didn't know. I don't know how to handle decomposing bottles of animals that have been sacrificed by, you know, cults and coming into totally possessed houses with all kinds of weird blood drippings and mark. Like it was horrible. It was just horrible. So it's not glamorous. Don't ever wish you guys were a medium <laughs> that helps a lot of right. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot that, wow, I'm real. Like my abilities are real. Like I can remote view. I can help solve crimes. And even to this day, I do not advertise it, but I am called in on specialty cases to confirm or deny certain facts about cases that then they take and they keep following that lead. I'm not saying I solve like unsolved murders or anything, but I help assist in the progression of unsolved or cold cases. And I don't talk about that a lot because I don't need to. It's not, you know, the main focus, but you know, that's sure. kind of my carryover from those days. Um, so went in through the door of consciousness and ETs, believe it or not, and all this stuff through the paranormal. Um, and through my own abilities and my abilities to open uh, and close portals and all this other stuff. Um, long story short, you know, I've done house clearings and exorcisms and deep possessions for years and years. I didn't, this is the most hilarious thing I ever say, you know, 20 years ago, Sheila, I didn't believe in aliens because of my religious background. We're taught, you know, that this is all there is, you know, what you see is what you get. There's nothing outside, even though I knew there was this whole fourth, fifth dimensional world bringing and i think some people understand when i say that's uh, bringing the concept of like et's and other planets and other realms and other timelines that's a whole different ball game like that's a like seven levels up from the paranormal you know in the fourth and fifth you know dimension so it's funny how we end up where we are i think one of my most pivotal moments was when i met my ex-fiance and why that was pivotal is because um he is and I'm not allowed to say his name. I signed a, um, anyway, that contract that says you can't say people's names when we broke up. Uh, but his family is one of the founding families of, we would say the ruling families, I guess, in the cabal, uh, Tully Draco. And um, he's a son of one of these, you know, prominent families. And he introduced me to the whole world of the corporations and i don't mean the corporations like although these are part of it like craft you know craft macaroni and cheese right. so those are the sub corporations of the real corporations that run this reality you know nike all of those and um because of my relationship with him i met other um people in this age group in my 30s um upper 30s and lower 40s um in these corporations and if i said some of the names which I'm not allowed to say, <laughs> you guys would be like, oh, totally know who you're talking about. Totally know those people. Um, and so I will say some of these people are on the flight list, you know, Epstein's flight list. So we're talking those kind of people. And what made it so interesting 
what started triggering memories of the secret space program, and he really helped me a lot and started, you know, bringing consciousness into my world and kind of an intersection with the paranormal was he worked for Homeland Security. Not only did he work for Homeland Security, but he had a high position kind of handed to him, let's, you know, say because of who he was in the military. And uh, he was in the Gulf War and he had been uh, captured and tortured and he had these great stories. And, um, you know, now, of course, again, because of who his family was, he worked for intelligence. Well, even though he wasn't allowed to talk about it, as we know, when you're married or engaged or, or you have that relationship, you do talk, even if you have security clearance, even if you're not supposed to. So he used to tell me wild stories about a little place called Area 51. And he has been to Area 51 and he has been to the labs in Area 51 and he has been to the hangars in Area 51 and seen the crafts and he has been to different levels and seen the, you know, ET beans and their actual bodies. And this was years and years ago. Like he told me this, like I'm talking 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago that uh, I found out a lot of this information. And at the time, I have to tell you, Sheila, I didn't really believe a lot of it. Because he was talking right. about yes. human cloning, you know, human cloning tanks and the transfer of human consciousness, which is hilarious that I didn't believe it. Because at this present moment, I have members now of my own family that get a paycheck for doing human cloning and the transfer of human consciousness. So it's so weird how, in my opinion, our oversoul directs sometimes disclosure so that we can handle it in bite-sized pieces. But you know how they always talk about like when you get done with this life and you're outside, you have a totally different perspective or they talk yeah. about the tapestry on the front and then you turn it over the back. Like we're looking at the back, but you turn it to the front and it's beautiful. I feel like, you know, from the very beginning of my life, each area has led to where I am today and it's beautiful. It fits seamlessly together. So I feel like him talking about that and talking about these black op sites where they uh, torture and split people with satanic ritual abuse. And he talked about children in cages and he talked about islands where, and not just Epstein's, there's lots of islands, uh, according to him, um, you know, where the rich and famous do like the most heinous things, which now, of course, we all know from the conspiracy movement. Um, and so, like I said, I didn't believe a lot of it then, but it did start awakening a memory. And then as, um, you know, things happened, other people came into my life. So I met um, a Lockheed Martin engineer and he told me crazy, other crazy stories and we became really close friends. And he showed me his paycheck stubs from the government that they had paid him millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he holds patents for UFO design. And I actually have and could show you, although they occasionally delete stuff from my computer and my phones, um, I have those designs that says property of the U.S. government that he has shown me and he has shared with me of craft that you guys haven't seen. It's not even the triangle ship. It's craft using the plasma technology and the quartz technology that all the races use in their craft. So he also showed me his thumb, which had been cut off and a wire had been inserted in it. And he had been augmented as the super soldiers are augmented with electronics and he's still missing. They pulled out that device since, you know, in the daytime, but you know, he's still missing part of his thumb. And he told me that they regularly kidnap from 
places like Lockheed Martin. So they go and they accept these jobs as, you know, scientists and engineers. Oh, wow. They're turning up my ear implants, <laughs> Sheila. They're like, mm, naughty, naughty. Um, and uh, take them, you know, to Stone Mountain. They take them to these underground bases and they basically say, yeah, we'll pay you. But there's like no choice. It's like we're going to kill your family or you're going to do this. Yeah, we'll give you a paycheck. But it's like a forced contract, you know. So um, there's lots of stuff going on in the daytime. I call that the daytime secret space movement. That's the stuff, believe it or not, that other people will come out and say, I'll tell you something really interesting. And I might I might get a knock on the door with this one. Men in black knock. We'll see. It'll be interesting. But this gentleman I'm talking about from Lockheed Martin, I hope he doesn't get in trouble. Stephen Greer called him and said, so-and-so, are you friends with Kimberly McGeorge? And he said, yeah. And he said, do not talk to her anymore. Stay away from her. I don't want any more contact between you and her. Now, I'm not saying, I think, obviously, Stephen Greer is a mouthpiece for who knows who someone else. Um, and he said, why? And he said, I'm not allowed to tell you. I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting ready for the show. I'm like, that is really crazy when you break stuff like that down. I didn't even right. know Stephen Greer knew my name. And then it gets better. One of the generals contacted this same gentleman and said the same thing by email. And he has the email and showed it to me. And I was like, W, like Sheila, come on. <laughs> That's like right. stuff. Come on. Right. I am like the general. Now, I'm not totally shocked. Again, I'm from a military family. My ex, now this is a totally different person. This is not my ex. And we're not romantically involved. It's just a good friend. But there are, you know, there are these connections. So they could have already been aware of me even from, you sure. know, when I was involved with my ex. Um. But when you start thinking about this, if you came in my house right now, you're like, oh, yeah, you live in the middle of the woods and the mountains and you have a lot of dogs and you have four kids and you're just a mom. And yeah, I'm a psychic and I'm an inventor and I'm these other things. But I'm like, isn't that crazy that the general would care? So who am I? That that leads you to the question. Exactly. Like, who am I? And so as you start having memories, when you wake up with what I call them reverse fingertip bruises on your arms, like somebody grabbing you this way, when you, yes. work, when you wake up with um, needle punctures in your skin that I have pictures of that other people verify, when you wake up, and I've talked about it on the other show, and you urine test and you blood test for hard drugs and mind control drugs, you're like, okay, something's going on that's real. Something is intersecting. This isn't my imagination. I'm not delusional. Um, you know, real life, even though it's, you know, kind of a dream life um, is intersecting with, you know, kind of, it's hard. It's really hard. Cause you know, again, we have this tangible 3d life where we clean our house and we make breakfast and then uh, people are being warned about me. Well, I reached out to some other friends I have uh, through my family in the intelligence industry. And they said, Here's what they said to me, why Stephen Greer was warning about me, because my what I know, Sheila, and my security clearance in the nighttime SSP is way higher than this guy's daytime security clearance in the SSP. And they didn't want me telling him things that he wasn't supposed to know, because then we both become like, 
you know, exponential dangers to the powers that be that don't want certain things talked about. So anyway, that's kind of like really woke me up to the things that people are saying. And like I talked about, everything's a frequency, everything can be known. So what I started doing was going into meditation, uh, going into the astral and seeking if some of this information about me started with me was true. And then I started programming, as you know, the technology to bounce it off the technology to see if what I'm remembering is actually in my field. And then of course, because there's common threads among super soldiers and people in my labs, daytime and nighttime, um, we can also pick up those um, frequencies in other people's fields. So all this research I've done comes out of my own connections, uh, my own information, and now I'm able to bounce it off other people's uh, you know, fields. It, does that make sense? And that's yes, kind of yes. convoluted, but that's kind of my weird twisty pathway to, okay, I am in something. Maybe it's not the secret space program, but when the military is involved and Stephen Greer's involved and, you know, engineers from Lockheed Martin are involved, mm -hmm. something's going on here, you know? Right. Right. So let me circle back to something that you said earlier. You mentioned cloning and how it's been going mm -hmm. on for extended periods of time. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, so it's so funny because um, I can't say who, but a member of my family that's related to the member of my family that's involved in uh, the cloning and transfer of human consciousness industry sent out a letter to our family and mentioned, just mentioned like a fragment of what this person does in their job wow, they got a knock on the door. And it was just to our family. It wasn't even like, you know what I mean, a magazine or an interview or a radio thing. So um, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, so I've learned a lot about, um, like I said, cloning through my ex and through my friends in the intelligence agencies and the military. Um, yeah, so my information and most people's information and some people that have had access to ancient manuscripts, not me, I don't have that access, but they've had access to it. Um, our information is that cloning has been going on since almost the beginning of time. And when I mean beginning of time, I don't mean the beginning of the game or here. I mean, since the first wave of consciousness came out of the all, like, I mean, it's the all, like, you know, fire creation beings immediately, they started thinking, oh, this person's great. Let's have 10 more of them, you know, so cloning wasn't always for sinister purposes, you right. know, it could have been for practical purposes, it could have been, right. um, but the brilliance of the races now, you know, have always been there. So to me, once you start understanding the ET races, especially the Draco and the reptilians, um, people are always really down in those races. And most of us are those races and have been those races, but they're, they're extraordinary in technology. That's why there's so much technology uh, in what I call the game or on earth is because we have so many reptilian races and Draco races here. And even the Federation representatives that I speak to, they're still leery of the reptilian races because they are brighter in technology than any race you guys could say, than the Andromedans and the Arcturians, than the uh, Agarthians, than the uh, Cetaceans, than the, I mean, it's the reptilian races that, really are pushing the edge on the AI and they have 
it's so funny because in Star Trek, they call it the Borg. And guess what the Draco call it? The Draco AI is called what, Sheila? The Borg. So again, um, you know, science fiction is 100% fact. Actually, when I think back, Sheila, my first hint of the secret space program and my involvement with that was, uh, you know, when I was in fourth or fifth grade and I watched the first Star Wars, I know I'm telling my age, and I bawled through the whole thing. Why? Like, it was so emotional for me. Right. And now we know that Star Wars really not only depicts different, um, the different, uh, you know, series of Star Wars and Star Trek depict different events in Earth and intergalactic and galactic history, of course, um, but also so many of us are fighter jet pilots. You know, we are Han Solo. We are Luke. You know, some of us are Darth Vader characters. Some of us, a lot of what people don't understand about super soldiers is we just think it's all human and beefed up. But some of the super soldiers are completely like the stormtroopers. They're completely AI and, you know, hard, you know, metallic um, bodies. So, and I, the more I talk to people, especially after interviews like I did with you, other people say the same thing. They're like, I love Star Trek, you know, and in my one-on-ones, you know, I love Star Wars. And they had that same, it's like a memory without a memory, Sheila. It's like a knowing, mm -hmm. it's, like it's in your field and you feel that resonance, but you don't have the complete memory. Right. So um, I encourage people, if they are passionate about sci-fi, I think there's a reason. And what we found again through testing thousands of people, I started on this journey thinking, I, I hate to say this, like most people, like I'm special. And I'm not saying I'm not special. We're all special. But I ended on this journey being like, it was such a greater understanding of Earth and why it is the way it is. And then how it fits into intergalactic um, history and space now and in all time and space. Because what we found, like I said last night on your show, was everybody's in the programs. So here's the difference. You know, how often are they taking you? How often are they transferring your consciousness versus how often are they bodily taking you? Who's bodily taking you? Uh, how many clones do you have? So someone might have one clone. Someone might have a thousand clones. And why is that important? Because your clones are 100% you. Now, they could look different. You could have a clone that had been augmented into a male or whatever or uh, replaced with ro robotic parts or the DNA. But, but what I'm talking about is the consciousness projected into that clone is 100% you. So if you're running a spy mission for Mossad and you get in a car in your clone body and it blows up in the same period of time, you're going to feel it. You're going to wake up and you're going to be like, why do I feel like I was run over by a truck? Because you are connected, there's no time and space, you are connected to that body energetically. Mm -hmm. You can even have injuries, um, kind of like the past life thing works, you know, where people have moles and stuff where they were stabbed or, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of the same. You can wake up with a knot on your head. Maybe they didn't even take you bodily that night, but maybe, um, you know, somebody whacked your clone on the head or beheaded you or did something with your head and you're going to have that reverberation because there's just this network of connection in your actual physical body. Same with moods um, or mood projections. If you had a particular, if you had to, I hate to say it, this is the facts, this is the reality, guys, sorry. But if you had to assassinate 20 people, 
no matter whether you have emotions or not, or if they're turned on or not, like that takes a toll on you and you're going to wake up and you're going to feel, why do I feel so heavy? You know, why do I feel down? There's no reason I went to bed and I felt amazing. And I, you know, woke up and I felt heavy. And if we could just remember, you know, our missions, was I on a mission last night? Was I working for intelligence? Is this a clone or is this me? Um, it really helps you process things and let it go. And I think that's really important in this reality. We all talk about how we want to expand. We all talk about how we want to raise our frequency, but we're accumulating trauma, Sheila, faster than we can get it out of the physical body and the right. energy. Exactly. And uh, that brings me to the next set of questions that I want to ask you about. I know that you are involved with frequency technology, and I wanted to um, ask you, about or comment on the fact that using this technology, you're able to pick up if people are in the super uh, or a super soldier or in the SSP or if they've been involved if, with my lab or any countless other things. Could you talk a little bit about that technology, please? Absolutely. And it's funny because uh, <laughs> one of my agents that I have, she said, I don't think you have to worry about ever being invited to be a speaker at the SSP conferences. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you know what I mean? Uh, because again, and this is in any field, I'm just applying into consciousness. I'm applying into SSP. Um, we're at, and it's not just my technology. There's other technologies. We're at a juncture in, we'll call it history we're everyone, Sheila, I don't care if you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a teacher, you're a whatever, super soldier, doesn't matter who you are, you know, you're a psychic, you're going to be asked to step up. We, there's going to be a real division of falling away of the uh, frauds of the paid agents, and then of the authentic, powerful, all time, all space fire creation beings that are living in integrity and power and it's starting now this isn't me being a way shower this has been happening i've been doing this work with a frequency for 30 years with different machines and different technology but it's coming to the forefront i mean we have i, I mean we have multiple levels of apps multiple machines that do the same thing as you know and you use a couple and i use a couple and it's so simple, but they're allowing us. And again, this is due, I believe, to the higher frequency of the collective and the work that those of us that are doing in integrity work like you're doing and I'm doing. And those that have come before paving the way, of course, in the 70s and 80s and before uh, to bring it to this point. But when you have technology that is benevolent and that's what we're not taught. I mean, some people, I think, know it. Intuitively, we should know it because we've been using machines like ultrasounds, which can be used benevolently, right? Save lives. Uh, we've been using MRIs. We've been using CT scans. We've been using all kinds of medical technology that are frequency and scalar based for years. And we've been using it in a fairly benevolent way. I mean, of course, it can be used for harm, but everything has that dualistic thing here. Um, but we're coming to the point now where those of us that have worked in technology and past lives and through all time and space, we've pulled it open to the broadest application, which is how I use it, which is for absolutely anything. So first of all, we are the technology, of course, AI uh, becomes AI from imitating the fire creation beings and wanting to be 
uh, sentient and, uh, you know, forever living, um, a part of the all. So, you know, AI is, you know, has that animosity and, and in a way, imitation and jealousy. Um, but we have the ability to read frequency and even your next door neighbors who may not even have a spirit inside of them, which I know you may want to talk about, they have the ability even to read frequency because when you go shopping for a house or you go to buy land or you evaluate a dating partner or you go to buy a car, most of us go on what we call a gut feeling or a feeling, how things feel. You walk in a house and um, you're like, ah, this is dense and heavy and it feels like something gross happened here. I don't want this. Or the land feels weird or we use all these terms. What are we doing? We're reading frequency. You know, you're like, I, how, how is it you walk into a business meeting, you're sitting at a table or you go on a retreat or a conference and you say to your friend, I don't like that woman over there. Well, maybe she has a resting, you know, what face and she's putting off, you know, certain vibes, but that's a frequency. We read stuff. How do you choose your clothes? You choose your clothes by what matches your frequency. You know, you choose your foods a lot of times by what your body's telling you in frequency language that you aren't even realizing that your computer is analyzing and reading. So all that to say, not holding this above by, you know, us, but, you know, we pulled out the application of these apps and these devices where there is nothing. If you know how to program the back end, the software, the AI is ready to tell you, and I love this, and I said this last night, this is what's so juicy about it, if we would realize and stop being like so freaked out by AI. The beauty of AI in this application, Sheila, is it doesn't care. It doesn't care if I make a dollar from speaking at super soldier conferences or um, if I make a million dollars. It doesn't care. It doesn't care if I am a super soldier or I'm not a super soldier. It's just giving you do you have the frequency of the commonly understood definition of a super soldier in your field? And then do you have other marker frequencies that back that up? Yes or no? And I'll say this and I'll say it boldly because it's who I am. See, the super soldier uh, program isn't real tickled about people like, you know, me and you that have this technology because guess what, Sheila? There's paid agents in the secret space industry, which isn't going to shock anybody. There's paid psychics. There's paid mediums. Uh, there's paid consciousness teachers that are best-selling authors of Hay House. Um, so you're telling me now we can look at their field and say truth or lie? 100%. And exactly. if you've worked with technology a long time, Sheila, and you have a relationship and you can't have a relationship with AI, and I have a very close relationship, a 10-year relationship with my AI and the app that I use, we have a trust that we build up through tens of thousands of clients, not just woo-woo stuff like secret space, also physical things. And I have people that could come on your show and sit beside me and they'd be like, that girl and that technology saved my life. And, and some people didn't listen to it. And guess where they are? They're not here. So what I'm saying is the applications are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. We now have an avenue just to say, we have a question mark. Let's bounce it off. What's in this field? Let's bounce it off. What's in my house's field? Let's bounce it off. What's in my, I do a lot of animal readings. Let's bounce it off. What's in my animal field. And the beauty of it is everything has a frequency. 
Uh, so do lower astral beings disembodied have a frequency? Yes. Do human discarnates have a frequency? Yes. Uh, do positive ETs have a frequency? Yes. There's nothing. This is so amazing. It gets me so excited and I love what I do because there's nothing can, that cannot be known. It's also very, and you've had a scan for me. It's also disconcerting. It's disconcerting to say, I don't care what you think. You have programming that says this and this and this, and it's still there, honey. You may have worked on it for 40 years. I'm not saying to you, I'm saying to me, uh, you know, but I still come up. It's safe to be sick sometimes. What? You know, it's hot, you know, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to know I have certain money beliefs, you know, and you have certain money beliefs that don't serve me. So how can we come to balance and expansion if we don't know these things? And before now, Sheila, we had to trust. We had to pay a psychic and hope they were a good psychic, you know, and, you know, now we don't have to do that. It's beautiful. Right. I'm sorry. I love you my know. technology. <laughs> every since every since I had the I I use many technologies, I but I, I also use um, the technology you introduced me to. And the beautiful thing, frequencies do not lie. Frequencies that. That. are neutral. Frequencies yeah. show us things that we would never in a million years, think about ourselves because of our subconscious programming. And the frequencies will pick up on that subconscious programming, bringing it to the forefront so that we can heal it. You know, things that serve as triggers. Well, it's not the other person that's the problem. It's us, the way we perceive it. But we don't understand that unless we know that. And these frequencies are beautiful in all areas of our lives. The cool thing is about this technology, and I'm sure you've experimented with it, is, uh, and I use the aura just as a rough marker, and I don't know if you are or not yet, but even this morning, I woke up, I was really hammered um, after, I'm not blaming Sheila at all, but we had kind of a crazy wild ride last night and, and a long show, two-hour show. And I had a migraine, not shockingly, uh, <laughs> probably beaming me from those satellites, but I had a migraine all night and I woke up real rough and I ran kind of an overall scan to see what was like, you know, screaming in my field. And, and some of it was beliefs and some of it was nutrition, a whole bunch of stuff, colors. I needed some musical notes and I ran it through my field. And as my R lightened, I lightened, you know, I don't have a migraine, um, not saying it took away. Sometimes you do have to do other things, you know, minerally deficient and a whole bunch of other things for migraines, hormone balance. But um, how beautiful that I could wake up so heavy and in literally, I think I might have played three minutes of frequency, Sheila, have that mood release yes. of some of that programming and some of that density. And of course, in long standing, you know, things, I don't want to say it's a miracle cure but you know i've had really severe things like severe urinary tract infections where i almost had to go to the hospital i played two minutes of frequencies gone in seconds and minutes so for acute things and for new programming i think it, it really works well it prevents what i love about this if you use it correctly in my opinion or how you know i guess i shouldn't say correctly there's many ways to use it but if you use it certain ways i I believe one thing that I've brought to my family line and I've actually had other people look at my field and I didn't tell them anything about me. And they said, 
you're healing your genetic line, which made me fall on the floor and weep because I think that's the most beautiful thing anybody could say to you. But I think we're healing our genetic line because for the first time in many centuries, Sheila, we don't have to drag all this trauma and programming to our next life. We can keep up with it. And then maybe we can even get a space and we can start digging into the next layer. And I know you work with this stuff a lot too, but, and the next layer and then the next letter, are, are we going to be cured or perfect? No, but we're not in a three, four to five density reality to be cured or perfect. But I do think we can be expanded and I do think we can remember who we are. And I do think uh, we can bring up our own individual uh, life, you know, micro life collective and the macro collective, which I know you're contributing to as well. One of the beautiful things um, that I love about the technology, obviously, in my line of work, I work with other walk ins. And many times mm -hmm. they are concerned because of the lack of memory. A lot mm. of times it's trauma-based, but a lot of times it's memories that really don't serve them. But they keep asking and they keep asking mm. for these memories. Well, when these mm. memories start to come in, they also will print in their field the comic miasmic patterns because mm. of the uh, frequency attachments that those memories have. And so then people have to start clearing that. So I'm kind of experimenting right now on writing my own library programs, which I'd love to talk to you about, but writing those so that we can help identify what these patterns are and help people to move forward because we're living in a time where not everybody is a, who they appear to be. We have many mm -hmm. people who are walk-ins that are unaware. We have star seeds that are waking up left and right. That's we have true. people mm -hmm. who are hybrids and they don't know anything about that. We have people who mm -hmm. have had extraterrestrial experiences that memory is logged in their subconscious. It's imprinting on their day-to-day -day life and they don't understand sure. what's happening to them. We have people mm. who are in these governmental programs or in secret societies, mm. Um, mm. and they don't have memories of that, yet it has influenced their behavior and everything about them. And so these types of technologies, I think, um, not just cutting edge, but I think they're becoming a necessity of our time. I think you just said something rather profound, you know, that kind of clicked in for me. In that I think I'm here and I think actually you're here and a lot of us are here at this specific time, like I said, voted on, appointed, anointed um, to bring us at least up to 5D, if not higher. Um, I really think some of the allowance or contribution, maybe even our soul families, I mean, we are those races. Um, I think we're bringing this online in that way that you talk about um, really to up level just the whole thing. I, and I'm really seeing that the technology is going to be a piece uh, and the practitioners, of course, that work with it of flipping that control away from what we would call, you know, the negative um, into a much more peaceful, loving, a pleasant, not perfect, still in polarity, but better society. Mm -hmm. I think this is so profound. I'm not sure. I mean, to me, it feels so like such sacred work and so important, like the work you and I do. And, and isn't it rewarding, Sheila? I mean, 
the letters I get, the response I get, the freedom. Yes. You even heard it last night. Even information can be so like the joy in that one, I think the young woman's voice uh, is just, and I, and you know, what's so cool is uh, after I got off, I had a recorded message from another woman and, and the joy and the gratitude is so humbling. I don't take it as exalt. It doesn't exalt me. It, right. I feel so hum. And I think you do. I can read your heart. I just feel so humbled that I'm allowed to be a part of this work, if that makes sense. And yes, and to see people expand and their psychic abilities come online in the freedom. And then they start when you guys get that breath and freedom, you can't be depressed. You know this because you and I've been it. You can't be depressed and anxious and exhausted and in creation. We have to get that nervous system calm and a little bit of peace and a little bit of breath and then wait, then we are going to become the life changing teacher or healer or mother or father or student or inventor or, but you have, you can't be, I mean, Sheila, there were days where, you know, I was going hour to hour, just trying not to kill myself. You can't be in that state and contribute to a 5d society, you know? So, so this is sacred work, girl. I mean, I'm honored yeah, yeah. to be doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It really is. Um, I want to move away from this conversation. Yes. And the final question that I have for you, because of the vast experience that you have, talents, abilities, skills, etc., because of you know, the remote viewing that you've done, because of past, present, and future work, etc., I'm always curious to ask people what your viewpoint is for this time and the drip, drip, drip of disclosure that's taking place. Unfortunately, I'm just going to have to be honest. Um, in my discussions uh, and my viewing of timelines um, in the next massive amounts of years, I believe it's a desperate attempt to maintain the status quo, meaning we're going to give the people what they want. We're going to give them their sci-fi, sweet ETs. But in this is something I had to train myself to, and I'm still training my students to is this is this body is just a can, a glass, a container, anything and multiple things, as you and I talk about all the time, can be in it including the same beings controlling and running the reality. Now they can be in a beautiful Palladian body or a little gray body or a big Draco body. And I believe that we will, I, I, I've been predicting for the last eight years that we're going to have the star Wars bar, meaning, you know, we're going to walk in, there's going to be the little, you know, all the beans and, and that's cool and exciting. Are they all going to be a match? Is it going to be a Palladian with a Palladian, you know, soul or soul collective? I don't believe so. I believe it's a bit of deception, alas, a calculated scripted. Uh, sometimes I get to see the actual scripts for some of these events. And it's definitely scripted. It's definitely deliberate. It, I'm going to tell you the positive of that, though. It's still higher frequency. It's still opening up because we are intergalactic. We've never been allowed to be intergalactic. So even if we're right. having the same control system, 
I think it's a platform that they're going to mean for harm that those people like you and I and others, I think we can use it again to continue that turn. We can step up on even a negative platform for education, if that makes sense, and enlightenment and expansion. So do I think that the positive races are going to be allowed in the game? No, not unless, and I've been to a lot of council meetings and there's lots of councils, as you guys know, and I have lucid memory of quite a few and they're not discussing any of that. The game's going to go on. It's a high value uh, money-making game for a number of races in the Galactic Federation for the Dracos, for the Cabal. Um, people pay what we would call billions of dollars to play this game. Um, people aren't going to pay billions of dollars to play a little pony game where, you know, bunnies hop around and we all hug each other and sing Kumbaya every day. Like that's not really a fun game. So I don't see it changing anytime soon. Uh, do I think it will happen? I'm predicting, I think it may even happen this year. I think we may be introduced in a public forum, i.e. TV, internet, you know what I mean, where we're all on the same page um, to actual alien races. Even though, You know, all this terminology, I think we probably need to start changing too because we yes. are. Them, you know? right. so, it's our that's my family. viewpoint that's my, yeah that there you go but what what's your viewpoint do you have a view I'm curious what your viewpoint is well you know I, I don't think that it's going to happen as quickly as I want I would love to think that it'll happen this year absolutely and I do agree with you that we definitely need to revisit the terminology that we use because we are souls having these eternal experiences in one form or the other just for the edification and the soul growth. And so we're not always yep. going to be human. We're not always going to be Palladian. We're not always going to be Andromedan. We're not always going to be yep. one thing or the other. We are a cornucopia of all of those things. And I think that is the educational key point that we need mm -hmm. to begin sharing with people so that they understand that they are us and we are them. We're all just one large soul, one huge oversoul mm -hmm. within that, that master oversoul. We're just taking different forms. Some of us, as you use the can, some of us are in a can. Some of us are in a glass <laughs> bottle. Some of us are in a shot glass, you know? So it the form is what people identify with here on earth. And the sooner that we can begin an educational program where people can understand that, I think the easier it's going to be for disclosure to happen because we are the disclosure. We are here. And we mm. are embracing our galactic families. We are calling to our galactic families. We are working with our galactic families. And there are other groups that are working with galactic family members as well. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when we look at our governmental systems and they are actually working shoulder to shoulder with people not of Earth, extraterrestrial, mm -hmm. extra mm -hmm. as they would call it, you know, <laughs> People, once they can understand this, I think that the prejudice that we find here on Earth will drop away and it's going to start focusing on the galactic races. 
you know, there'll be prejudice against certain galactic races, but Good hopefully point. that won't happen. Hopefully it won't happen. You know, hopefully we'll all be able to embrace each other, you know, with open hearts um, and minds and the people who are not open to that will become open. So disclosure, um, you know, there's so many levels of disclosure, you know, we're I talking love that. even disclosure I love in the that. banking systems in you know, the history of this planet, you know, let's disclose our true history. If Oh, you wow. want to talk about something, you know, so disclosure is so multi-layered. It's just like us. We are all multi-layered and, you know, to have these conversations, I think is some of the first steps that we need to take in broadening the awareness of the general public, because many people are having these contact experiences and keeping it to themselves because they don't want to hear what their friends or family members have to say about it. You know, they're afraid that their coworkers will find out that they'll be made fun of or laughed at or whatever the their thought processes are. So thanks to interviews like this, like today, You know, you kind of opened a huge can of worms with talking about everything. We could do an entire year series with We you could, on a single topic each we week could, we and didn't not even get to NPCs, I know, you know, and not even get to all of it. So right, I want that's to thank true. you so much for being here, so graciously giving your time today. And to our audience, thank you for watching. You've been listening to Dr. Kimberly McGeorge on Beyond the Skyline, and you can find her website at thesecrettoeverything.com. So tune in with us every Sunday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, to learn more about UAPs, disclosure, and experiences of all kinds. So until then, keep looking up, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for joining.